On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about funerals. Funerals, something very common, happens every day. We, we probably all attend several funerals in a given year. But there's, there's a good bit of spiritual significance and a lot of questions that are raised about funerals, and we want to talk about it tonight. All right, well, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March 22nd, 2018. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Monty's behind the controls tonight. Monty, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. Looking forward to hearing from you and looking forward to you on the other end of the line tonight, listening in and uh, giving us your comments at questions at collegeview.com, over the phone at 877-381-4567, or in the chat room, which is filling up with listeners who are signing in there, and you can share your comments with other listeners on the program tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, we got uh, Linda, Jeff, Mike, uh, someone in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, and others. Uh, so sign, give yourself a name. Sign in there so we can kind of identify you uh, and give us your comments as we go along in the program. We think it's better when you guys comment. We might just have a roll call. Tell us where you're listening tonight. We look forward to hearing from you and appreciate you being here tonight. All right. Well, uh, probably a topic that's not, uh, well, people don't like to talk about it maybe. Well, it probably, you know, it's not a pleasant thing to think about funerals, but it's a valuable thing, I think. And I think we'll see that as we look to the scriptures. But I've, I've as I was thinking about that today, Jacob, and all the different topics we've covered on the Virtual Bible Study in, what, uh, going almost 13 years 13 now. 13 years. Uh, I don't think we've ever talked about I funerals. I don't think we have. So, so this is new ground, um, and but I think it's valuable. So today, to our update list, uh, just around noon or shortly before noon, we send out on Thursdays an update telling you what our topic is going to be and, and explaining some questions we hope to cover um, many of you who are listening are on our update list, but if you're listening and you do not get it, or maybe you're listening in the archives and you'd like to be on our uh, update mailing list, send us an email to questions at collegeview, uh, questions at collegeview.com, and uh, we'll be glad to put you on our list and you'll get these updates. So to our update list today, we sent out these questions. What is the value of a funeral for the dead person, for the family and loved ones, for others in attendance? And should we make attending funerals a priority? Uh, not, I'm not, obviously not talking about our own funeral, but I'm talking <laughs> well, about yeah. uh, Number two, what things should be included in a funeral sermon? Are personal stories and remembrances worthwhile? What are some favorite Bible passages that you find appropriate at funerals? And what are your thoughts about music at funerals? Number three, what do you think about preaching a person into heaven? Or in other words, stating affirmatively that he's in a better place or he's in heaven now. Is it appropriate to express hope for the eternal destiny of the deceased? Could you, should you state he's lost and will spend eternity in hell? Number four, can a funeral be scripturally conducted in a church building? Number five, what about cremation? Do you believe it's right or wrong? Yes or no? Why or why not? All right. So those last two are a little bit more hot button topics, but I think the first ones have uh, are worth our consideration too. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview dot com. Let's get right into it. What's the value of a funeral for a dead person? James in uh, Ireland tonight has commented. Thank you, James. Good to hear from you. He answers with one word: the value of a funeral for a dead person, none. None. Well, uh, I think that may answer the question. I huh? think that's probably the easiest answer to that question. Thank you, question. James. Not very verbose tonight, but I appreciate that. And, uh, well, Chris in Georgia says, I can't see the value of a funeral for the deceased. They are in uh, the Hadean world and not present in the body. I think that's right. Uh, and I don't know, did Kent comment on that? The, uh, 
And but, so far so, as the deceased person is concerned, Kent says there is no direct benefit for yeah. them. And I, I think that is the right answer. But I would I would express one little caveat, and, and that is in the sense of honoring or respecting the dead person. We're not going to change their eternal destiny. And so to the extent that a funeral could do anything to change what becomes of them in the world beyond, obviously nothing at all. And so yeah. the, and, and we often say funerals are for the living, not for the dead. And it's for the benefit of the living. But I, just one little tiny caveat might be the idea of showing uh, respect and honor to the dead. And I think the scriptures point out that sort of thing. You know, uh, when Jacob had gone down into Egypt uh, to be with Joseph and he died and he wanted to be carried back to Canaan land to be buried. And there was there was an enormous procession and, and uh, uh, a, a big to do about carrying his body there to be buried. And to show respect for the dead. And so I suppose if there's anything at all, it's definitely not going to change the eternal destiny of anyone, but perhaps for the dead person to show a, a measure of respect or honor for them. You think about some of the others, uh, Moses and Aaron, when they died, uh, they were mourning for them for yeah. days and days and days. Yeah. Uh, the scriptures don't condemn that by any means. Yeah. And again, it doesn't do anything directly for the dead person, but it is in behalf of the dead person or or to express a, a care for them. That, that'd be the only thing I'd say, but certainly I agree with our emailers that absolutely nothing is going to be done that, at, at a funeral that would change anything for the dead person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 says, we must all appear before the judgments. Let me get to it. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one of us may receive the things done in his body according to that that he had done, whether it be good or bad. And so judgment is going to be based on what we did while we were in our body, while we were alive. Obviously, after we're dead, nothing can be done. In the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, you know, Lazarus was just hoping to get a drop of water placed upon his tongue. He was in such torment. Abraham basically said, we can't do anything. You know, we can't come to you. You can't come to us. Nothing can be done to change your condition. So it, 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 death is final, and our eternal destiny is sealed. And and so nothing that's said at your funeral or mine or Monty's or anybody else's is going to change anything about that. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Your next question. Yeah, the, the next question is, what's the value of a funeral for the family and loved ones? Um, James says uh, it gives them time to let go of the person, also gives the family uh, a dedicated time together. Appreciate uh, that, James. Th- there's sort of a grieving process that has, I think, been pretty well documented. Uh, th- that's beneficial. Uh, that when you've lost a loved one, you need to go through a process. And th- and in our culture, that funeral s- uh, system, usually a day or two of gathering and visiting with one another. Uh, culminating in a funeral service. That's the custom in our culture. It's not the same everywhere in the world and certainly not the same throughout the history of time. But it is a, it is a mourning process that gives the, the, the loved ones who are, who remain behind, gives them a chance to sort of deal with it. Kent says funerals can assist family and friends in dealing with grief and can be used as an expedient to present the gospel of Christ. Now, that's an angle on it that we haven't touched on yet. Yeah, and I would link that with the other part of this question. What about others in attendance? As Kent says, it's a chance to do some teaching. A funeral is a good opportunity to do some teaching because very often at a funeral you get people in attendance who wouldn't darken the door of a church building for anything, but they'll go to a funeral and and, and there's a chance to expose them to some gospel truths that they're probably not even going to think about any other time. Right. Um, Mike in... Uh, uh, Ohio wrote and said Ecclesiastes 7 tells us there's a benefit to be had in going to a funeral. And I think he's exactly right. The, the, the wise man in Ecclesiastes says it's better to go to the house in the morning than to the house of feasting. And the, and, and he the says wise that's will, the end of all men. That's yeah. the end of all men, and the wise will lay it to their heart. That's right. In other words, it, being at a funeral forces us to think about death, dying, judgment, our own mortality. Uh, and and that's that's very beneficial. We need to spend time meditating on that. And so I think Mike is right to suggest um, 
that that is the case. James says uh, there's possible opportunities to hear the gospel and a time to think about our own mortality. I think, James, you're right. Thank you, James. And Chris says... For the family and loved ones, this is where the value of a funeral is. This can help the family with the grieving process and help them process what has happened. The grief certainly does not end at a funeral, and in fact probably doesn't fully begin until afterwards. For others, Chris says it has a similar value as it does for the family, only to a lesser degree generally. It may also get someone thinking about where they will be in eternity. Again, that echoes what it was uh, told to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. So uh, I think all these are pretty obvious things. Uh, what's the value for the dead person, for the family? What's the value? What's the value for others who may attend? And then just real quickly, the last part of that first question we ask is, should we make it a priority to attend funerals? Um, well, that's an interesting question. You know, I... It's been my experience that people don't nearly as much money. I don't know if you agree with me about that or not, but when we were younger, it seems like people made more of an effort to attend funerals, and we don't see that as much anymore. We would probably make the excuse that we're too busy or we don't have time or this or that. Uh, For the comfort that we could do to extend our condolences to others and maybe help them through the loss of a loved one, it would be of great value to them. So, therefore, it should be of value to us. But, you know, I think a lot of us typically try to avoid funerals like the plague or something. But I think we're probably wrong in that. I mean, it would be better judgment to go and help other people. And it would, like we mentioned a minute ago, it helps us to realize that this person that was a friend of mine or acquaintance, whatever, they're dead now. Uh, I'm not going to live forever either. Well, I think, especially when we're young, we tend to rarely think about death because it's we're you know we're in our 20s and we're going to live to be 80 or 90, so that's yeah. so far away. But the older I get, the more often I think about my mortality, and so attending funerals would probably help me to focus myself in that direction better. I think you're right. I, I think part of the part of the reason why funerals are not attended as much as they used to be is because typically, almost always, not always, but almost always. Funerals are during the day on a weekday, a work day, or a school day, uh, and and people just can't get away. If it's a, if it's a close family member, you can get time off work typically, but you can't take time off work usually for someone who's not even related to you. Uh, back in a previous generation, when it was a more agrarian economy. You can suspend farm work for a while. You can the, the the kids are probably studying at home anyway. You can take them and go. So it was it was uh, it was just schedules allowed it to be more so. But I do think that as much as possible, we ought to make it a priority because it serves as a chance for us to encourage and comfort people who are left behind, especially if there are brethren. Uh, that that should be something that's important to us. And typically we have, if you can't attend the, the funeral service because it's during a weekday at during work schedule or school schedule, typically there's a period of visiting, usually a day or two beforehand, and we can do that. So I, I just think, I think that a lot of things are changing in our culture, and I think this is one of the changes that's probably not good. People just don't put an emphasis on that, and I think they should. All right. So James says it's an opportunity to serve our fellow man, and uh, Kent says it seems to me that such will be determined by each individual's situation. It may not be, it may not be expedient in some situations to do so. So yeah. he says it, take it as a case-by-case basis. Yeah, I think that's right. I All think right. that's right. And uh, Chris says, I would say it is a, it is good to attend in order to show love and support to the family. So I think uh, a lot of folks commenting here on catching on the idea that we need to be serving our fellow man and helping them where we can. And there's certainly maybe no better opportunity than uh, the death of a loved one to take advantage of the opportunity to, just to do that service. Yeah, got a got a, a comment in the chat room from Jim up in Kentucky. Great to hear from you, Jim. He says, in many ways, we seem to be a culture that doesn't that does the least possible to accommodate others, and funerals fall in that that realm, unfortunately. Uh, and so uh, maybe we can, at least for ourselves, we can break that trend and and uh, and show that kind of concern for others that that a funeral provides the opportunity to do jim thank you for your comments and for breaking the ice in the chat room uh now that the ice is broken why don't you jump in 
And send your thoughts there. We're going to get a break, and we'll get more to the discussion after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our Lord taught that if we would truly be great in his kingdom, we must develop a servant's heart. In Matthew 23 verse 11 he said, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. If we understand this truth, then we will be working more and more to acquire the attributes and characteristics of a servant. What are some of these? Well, if I possess a servant's heart, then I'll be ready and willing to do any job that needs to be done, even when it's not the job I really wanted to do. Some tasks are difficult and receive little recognition, but I'll do these anyway. After all, I shouldn't be doing my works to, quote, be seen of men, Matthew 6, verse 1 and following. With a servant's heart, I will worry less, ultimately none at all, about how others serve me, and I will be more interested in finding ways to serve others. In Matthew 20, beginning verse 26, Jesus said, Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Also, as a faithful servant, I will not be rebellious against God. The things taught in his word are those who are in authority over me, like elders, parents, employers, and so forth. To do so would be completely contradictory to the whole notion of servanthood. Read 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. As I grow in these attributes of a servant, I will begin to see myself and my needs as less important in the bigger scheme of things. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, we read, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And finally, as a servant who is seeking to please God, I will grow in the realization that my work is never done, that I have never done as much as I could or should have done. In Luke chapter 17, verse 10, we read, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program as we talk about funerals tonight on the program. And uh, we've talked about the value of a funeral. Now on to the next topic. All right, let's talk about some of the things that we think should be included in a funeral sermon. Uh, What about personal stories and remembrances? What about Bible verses that you think would be appropriate? I do think that in a funeral sermon, it is a sermon after all, we even call it that. It's not a funeral talk, although it could be called that. But if we're going to call it a funeral sermon, then I think that's an appropriate designation because I believe it should include scriptural references dealing with uh, life and death and judgment and eternity. Uh, because as we said, primarily it is for the living. We're, we're, we're trying to get everybody who's present to think about the fact that it's not going to be that long before it's me laying in the casket. My funeral will be conducted. And so we want to use that opportunity. I think, as has been suggested already in some of the comments that we read, that teaching simple gospel truths and you know, uh, pr- trying to motivate people to be obedient to God, all of that sort of thing is very appropriate. And, uh, you, and you have a captive audience that you may never have at any other opportunity, uh, and they may be more inclined to hear that sort of thing at that point than they would any other time. Monty, your thoughts about how that sermon ought to look? Well, it's, it's one of the points here that says our personal stories and remembrance is worthwhile. I forget exactly where it was, but I believe it's the last time I filled in for you on a Wednesday night. 
uh, it was talking, I believe it was Paul talking about if, if there was someone who was following his gospel and teaching and basically doing a good job of it to emulate it, to mark that person, to note them and emulate them in that. And so if the person that we're speaking about or this, the dead person, uh, we could, if there are special things that they did that were a particularly good example for us in some way or another, I think it would be useful to point that out, as Paul talked about, because we could emulate that in our lives. That We might not know about that or have it, be it, have an opportunity to point that out to people at any other time. Yeah, right. maybe maybe Philippians three seventeen money, uh, be followers together of me. Mark them which walk so as you yeah, have us for an example. Yeah, uh, so That'd yeah, be we, one way of doing that. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, uh, yeah, certainly. I, I I think if if there are good things about the person's life that drive home the point, and the in the in the they manifest the teachings of the scriptures lived out then certainly you'd be wasting the good opportunity uh to do that what do we do when we in just normal sermons and bible lessons we often do what we call character studies yeah and and we for instance we'll study the life of the apostle paul we'll study timothy we'll study uh peter uh, we'll study an old testament character like abraham or moses or elijah and we draw lessons from their life that we that we can apply to our own lives. And so I think there's actually scriptural precedent for drawing upon the remembrances of those who've gone on before. Right. Oh, uh, look at the book of Hebrews. I mean, yeah, that's exactly, uh, the exactly. whole book is about the people who. And, and somebody might quibble that the ones I named were all inspired men. But I think there in the book of Hebrews, not all, not all in Hebrews 11 that are mentioned as great heroes of faith were necessarily inspired individuals, but their example is held up as a worthy one. In the New Testament, Aquila and Priscilla, I don't know that they had spiritual gifts. They may have or may not have, but they certainly stand forth as great examples of what Christians ought to be. You know, you think about uh, that time of the funeral, the loved ones and, the, and those uh, family, family and friends, um, they're wanting to look fondly and favorably on that deceased person and so if you can show them living like god wanted to in a certain area of their life then the the natural reaction of the audience is they're going to look at that on the, upon that as favorably yeah. favorably you know yeah. uncle so-and-so's up there and well he was very generous and you make that well then they're going to think well i need to be more like uncle so-and-so because he's so generous yeah it's i want to be remembered that way too right so it'd be a, it's um, an excellent opportunity to to drive home now, those now, points. now there's a there's the other side of that coin though if the if the if the personal stories and remembrances are not appropriate if if for instance this guy was uh you know he was a rascal and so we're uh, I, I was at a funeral not too long ago where uh, the the deceased fellow. There were some remembrances of some things that he had done. You know, the, it's become common. I don't know if it's common everywhere, but it's common in the funeral homes around here to have a video presentation in which they paste together a bunch of still photos into a sort of a slideshow. Yeah. You know, and the guy was doing some stuff he shouldn't have been doing, uh, and. Uh, you know, so the, the personal stories and recollections ought to be godly. Yeah. Uh, we, sh- we shouldn't be making fun of, of evil, uh, or, or, you know, sort of getting a chuckle out of, uh, yeah, that guy, yeah, I remember when he did that, and, uh, yeah, that sort of thing. So, uh, James says, uh, maybe the stories are okay provided they aren't provided just to stoke the ego of the presenter. Certainly wouldn't be about the presenter at all. Yeah, and I well, think it need they need to be appropriate kinds of stories. And so I don't know if it's if the the presenter wants his ego gets stroked because he's able to tell a good story, or maybe he's bragging about how he knew that person. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, certainly that couldn't be should be part of the equation. Uh, Kent says as to the inclusion of various components of a funeral service, we definitely need to present a lesson for the scriptures. Also, an expression of sympathy and concern for family members and friend are definitely in order. Appropriate stories and remembrance regarding the deceased can be helpful, especially to family members and close friends in dealing with grief. Yeah, um, It's also important to present material regarding the reality of death, uh, what it takes to prepare for death, and the gospel plan of salvation, and or the importance of unfaithful brethren in being restored. It is crucial that we present the truth regarding the resurrection and ju- uh, judgment. It's not necessary that okay we're getting on to others. Okay, okay, here, but, hang on to yeah, that, we'll hold on there. Uh, but yeah, certainly, I, and I don't know that there's even anything wrong in just a f- few um, 
maybe humorous recount yeah. accounting of of that life. But I mean, as, as you, long as it's not off color or or, oh, or disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so you want to? I mean, you begin your sermon with certain illustrations or things that may not be completely. Exactly. Pertinent here, but uh, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that at no, all. No, I don't either. But they need to be appropriate. Appropriate. Kind of just, we yeah. Talk, oh yeah. yeah, I remember he really could hold his liquor. Yeah, yeah. He, I remember one time when we got drunk as a skunk. Uh, well, that's not the kind of things we want. Don't to be want to start this funeral late. He'd probably cuss me out if I started his funeral. Well, yeah, no, no, yeah. Absolutely. So be careful with those. Yeah, but they they are appropriate. I think did we read Chris? Chris says uh, yeah. funny and heartwarming stories about the deceased. If they are a member of the Lord's church, then speak of that and how important obeying the gospel is. It would also teach what it means to obey the gospel. And certainly those personal remembrances and stories, absolutely some of the most powerful funerals I've attended is when loved ones either write stories to be read or get up and speak for themselves. I agree with you, Chris, but again, I would just throw out the caution that I have heard inappropriate things, uh, especially when you give certain family members the floor to speak and, and they're not Christians themselves. I mean... They may say almost anything, and maybe something that you don't want said. So just there's a little bit of there's a little bit of caution deserved there. Yeah, I got to use a little caution. All right, uh, let's get a break, and when we get back, we'll give this will give some of our listeners in the chat room time to sign in here because not many t- people took you up on your request for uh, verses that they like to hear at a at a funeral. Let's uh, play. Uh, you're the preacher uh, in the chat room tonight. What verses would you use? in the funeral to help people. Well, we've talked about some of the things you want to do in a funeral, you, how you want to draw spiritual lessons and help people cope with their grief and uh, and put a perspective on things. So what verses would you use? you got about a minute and a half here. Uh, you don't get much warning for this funeral you got to preach tonight, but in the chat room, send in your uh, verses. What would you use in a funeral service? Don't go anywhere. We'll get to you right on the other side of this break. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. More than half, 55% of Americans say they pray every day while 21% say they pray weekly or monthly, and 23% say they seldom or never pray. Even among those who are religiously unaffiliated, 20% say they pray daily. That information is via Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in 1 Peter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we're back on the program tonight, and uh, we are glad that you're listening. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you've never been there, check it out. And if you've never contacted us via email, we'd love to hear from you. Just Tell us where you are, how you found out about us, where you're listening, or send in a question or suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Maybe you already know the answer to the question. You just like to have it discussed in this forum, uh, just maybe to hear other people's uh, take on that. It doesn't have to be a question that necessarily stumps you. Send it in, questions at collegeview.com. It doesn't have to be a question that would take an hour to answer. It could be a, a simple two- or three-minute answer to that question. We have programs where we take many questions at one time. Send those in. And um, if you would like a bumper sticker to help us advertise the program, those are free. You just send us in your snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com, and we'll get one in the mail to you. I'm glad that you're listening tonight as we talk about funerals and verses that should be presented at funerals. I, I just saw a, com- a comment was posted on the Facebook page from Ira who said, "Amen." I don't know. I don't know what the "Amen" was for, but thank you, Ira, for thank commenting. you, Ira. Thanks glad for you're listening, listening tonight. tonight. Yeah. And I don't know if you're doing like polling tonight. Maybe the responses we're getting to the question about what verses do you like to hear at a sermon, you're not getting a lot. Maybe people don't want to hear verses presented at sermons. But if I know you. They're going to be verses at a sermon, so uh, the scripture is going to be presented. So, yeah, what are well, some verses? Well, I think we'd be missing it, missing the oh, boat absolutely. entirely if we didn't include scripture when we spoke at a yeah, sermon. Yeah, and if you go to funeral, well, I mean, if if you're not interested in hearing, I, you, certainly you you should be interested in hearing the scriptures presented at a uh, time. James like that. in Ireland likes 
I'm going to read this. I had not very, I don't think I've ever used this at a funeral. Psalm 147, beginning verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcast of Israel. He healeth the broke, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. Uh, I think that was, well, you certainly go. And I, I tell you, one of the ones I like to use is the one that Mike mentioned at, right at the start of the program, uh, Ecclesiastes 7. Better to go to the house of mourning than it is to go to the house of feasting. I think I, I almost always use that passage. And then you, I think you almost have to uh, include some verse that talks about the brevity of life. James 4, verse 14, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Those kind of verses. Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we apply our hearts to wisdom. Uh, Uh, Ramona in the chat room. Yeah, hey, Ramona, good to hear from you tonight. Yeah, she says she likes, and this would come from uh, 2 Timothy Timothy chapter 4. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the, the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in the last day, but not to me only but also to those who love his appearing. Yep, right that, on. That's, that's a good verse for sure. Yep. And then she mentions the first chapter of Ecclesiastes. I'm not, I'm, well, uh, then she followed she, it with wrong, so I don't maybe, know. If, yeah, maybe she was thinking a different different verse. Okay, yeah. maybe she's thinking about the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes, which is another yeah. uh, good one for the uh, funeral. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, certainly uh, too late for the person who is in the the subject of the sur- the funeral, but uh, certainly a word that all need to hear. Uh, oh, she spelled it wrong. Okay, that's it. Jeff's on it tonight. Thank you, Jeff, for that. Yeah, that's no problem. That's a yeah. I do the same, uh, Ramona. Thanks. That's why I didn't notice it was spelled wrong. That's why I'd spell it too. So. Exactly okay. right. Okay. Right. Um, and I so think, if the first uh, the first chapter. Uh, oh, uh, Chris. Chris says. Psalm 23, that's a standard, right? The 23rd Psalm. Psalm. John 14, beginning verse 1, uh, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again that where I am there you may be also. John 14, 1 through 3. Then uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, I should know that one. 1 Peter 5, 7, uh, let's see, what does that say? I should know that. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Uh, it says... Uh, Cast all your care upon him. He careth yep. for you. Mm-hmm. And then Psalm 34, verse 18. You got that one, Jacob? Psalm 34, 18. Uh, yep, it's uh, right here, stuck together here. 34, 18 says that uh, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Guys, those are good ones for sure. Okay. All right, so I think we've kind of covered that, and 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 I, that's there's a lot of judgment that that would be involved in making those decisions. But I do think an emphasis on, um, you know, scripture, God's truth, the comfort of God's word, but also the warnings of God's word, preparation for judgment. Uh, can't. I'm getting a little bit ahead, but he says, I always present the plan of salvation. Speak regarding the importance of the Lord's church at funerals. Guest 6126 in the chat room says, Mama's request was that the plan of salvation be given. So I think that's a common thing. Yeah. And Ramona in the chat room says, I also I have cancer, and I'm going to whip it. But songs uh, still appear, uh, she, and it drops off there. But uh, certainly want to pray for Ramona and her, her yeah, condition yeah, there. Yeah, I didn't Sorry know that, that, Ramona. Sorry to hear it. We'll, we'll include you in our prayers for sure. Okay. All right. Now, the last part of that question is, what about what are your thoughts about music at funerals? And I think this might be the most controversial thing. Um, Monty, what do you think about this, the music? Um, personally, I don't care for it at a funeral. <laughs> uh, I can't say that, I mean, with, especially the, at a funeral home, I can't say that it's a right or wrong thing. I, I guess it's a personal preference. Uh, if we're singing scriptural songs, during that time it can also you know we learn from psalms hymns and spiritual songs and we're edified and uplifted by them so they could messages could be presented like that through the songs that we're saying or the music that was presented but i think it personally would need to be careful that that there are scriptural songs i've been to funerals before where they played all sorts of uh 
one of them is even a country and western song. I hear that. that I hear that more and more. Uh, and at a recent funeral I uh, was at, it was a it was a very rough and coarse country song, uh, very inappropriate and out of place in my judgment. Uh, uh, in the South here where we are, it seems more and more common for them to use secular music in, of a country and Western variety, uh, which is not to my liking at all. But it's a judgment matter. But they certainly got to be appropriate. And, they, and, and for instance, I was just uh, explaining that recently, I mean, there was a coarse and not appropriate song whatsoever that was used. I, one other thing I would say, if we're going to use spiritual songs, and, and I think we should, I, I think this should be an emphasis on spiritual things, not on secular things. If we're going to use spiritual songs, I, my conscience says that they should be sung a cappella. James in Ireland says non-religious music can be done. However, songs, hymns, and spiritual songs should be done without instruments as the scriptures teach. I'm with you, James, on that. And and uh, yeah, um, I I, th- I just think that's the best way to go. If we're, I think a funeral uh, ideally should be conducted like a worship service. Uh, and if we're doing a worship service, we're going to do singing without musical accompaniment because we believe that's what the scriptures authorize. I, and and I don't know if it's true everywhere, but where we are here in the South, the funeral homes are very accommodating to that. They understand our conscience in those matters and. It's a little extra trouble, but if uh, but it's worth the trouble to make sure we're singing spiritual songs and singing them in in the authorized way. In the authorized way, along those lines, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says, "I have spoken at funeral services where there was no music of any kind used. If music is included, we need to respect the scriptures and use only non-instrumental congregational singing." Okay. So uh, Kent says, "Honor the scriptures. You do what we have authority for." And Kent, uh, no, not Kent, uh, uh, Chris, Chris yeah. says, personally, I like congregational singing at funerals. Some re- recorded music is okay as well. I would like to have Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World played at mine while a slideshow of me and my loved one's show. Okay, <laughs> okay. no problem there. Uh, not a, that's not a spiritual song. Uh, I also have made it clear that when they roll my casket out after the funeral, I want Ray Charles' song, Hit the Road, Jack, Don't Come Around Here No More, to be played. <laughs> Well, um, and uh, people that know me and my love of humor would really appreciate that. Okay, so I guess he's serious about that. (laughs) Maybe so. And maybe, hopefully, his family's not so serious about that, but uh, thank you, Chris, for that. All All right, right, good. All right. So, but my main emphasis on on the music is if if it's spiritual songs, if it's Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, then let's do it the way they're supposed to be done yep. uh, without musical accompaniment. All right. All right. So we got we got a, a couple. We got to go a little bit faster here. Uh, the next question is: What do you think about preaching a person into heaven? In other words, stating affirmatively, he's in a better place now, or he's in heaven now. Um, Chris says, "I used to be an apprentice in Balmer and the funeral director." Uh, and a, a, a and an apprentice embalmer and funeral director, and have been to dozens and dozens of funerals. The one thing that stuck out to me is that every single deceased person was said to be in heaven, even the ones that obviously had no morals at all. You know that isn't that the case? Everybody, uh, I don't. I, you go to these funerals and you know. You almost want to go up and look in the casket. And be, is that the guy? Is that it I really knew? him? Is that really him? They, they sure cleaned him up. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I'm sure there's always a tendency to remember the good and, and forget the bad. But but uh, uh, I remember the very first funeral that I was assigned uh, to preach, and I was nervous as a as a cat. Um, and an older preacher told me I thought it was good advice. I've tried to remember it ever since. He said, it's not your job to judge them. It's not your job to put them in heaven or to put them in hell. That's God's business, and he'll take care of it. And you don't know enough to be able to make that judgment. Stay away from that. And I think that's, I think that's good advice. You know, this may be a really, really good person that died, a really faithful Christian. But we don't know everything about their life. We don't know. And we can... That, the second part of that is, is it appropriate to express hope for the eternal destiny of the deceased? And, and I think we can speak about the hope that Christians have as they face death, as they go through the, the process. 
There is hope. There is comfort in the hope of the scriptures. But to state affirmatively that I know he's in a better place. I, of course, if we understand what happens when we die, you, you don't go to heaven. You go to paradise in, in Hades. But to say he's in a better place with, I mean, with certainty, you you just can't say that. And you are not the eternal judge. And, and I just think it's best to leave that alone. But I do think it's very appropriate to spend time talking about the hope and consolation in the face of death that we have because of what God has done for Christians through the blood of Jesus Christ. A lot of talk of money about uh, advanced planning. You do this for your loved ones. It'd be, you, it, it will help them You know, make arrangements for your funeral and you know, maybe pay up front or whatever you do um, because that's the loving thing to do for your, your family. Why not live in such a way so that you, they can have that hope? And there's nothing better you could do, no no better care you could show for your family than making that kind of advanced plan for your funeral uh, so that they could have that hope in that in that time of grief. You know, we should be living in such a way that when our funeral is, is done or being presented or whatever you want to call it, that our when we talk about that hope of heaven, we should live in such a way that our family would have a, a reasonable expectation that that's where we're going. I mean, we would have set a good example for them throughout our lives. We would have been leading other peoples to Christ. Hopefully our family members, we've been able to lead them to Christ to help them to be faithful. That's the legacy we need to leave that, you know, when we think of the Apostle Paul, we think of somebody that lived a good exemplary life, done everything he could in service to Jesus and if our family, if our kids want to be like us, then we that should be the way they should want to be. That's the like us that we would want them to have. All right. um, James said, "Is it appropriate?" When I ask, "Is it appropriate?" or is it, "Should we state affirmatively that he's in a better place?" James said, "If it's true, proclaim it and rejoice." I have to disagree with James on that point. How do I know if it's true? I, I'm, I do not have the insights that God has. I might have great hope that he's in a better place. But I don't think um, the key word in the question was, can you state it affirmatively? And and I just don't know how we as mortal human beings could state affirmatively he's in a better place. We can hope and have great hope and be consoled in the in the great potential for salvation on behalf of this individual and ourselves. But to state it affirmatively, I, I just come up short on that. Well, we do need to, as you mentioned, we do need to talk extensively about the hope that is made possible through Christ Jesus and the hope if this uh, person was a, an a obedient believer, uh, that they, they would enjoy as well. Is it appropriate to express hope for the eternal destiny of the deceased? James says, yes. Um, and uh, Kent says, always pre- present the plan of salvation and speak regarding the importance of the Lord's church at funerals. If the deceased lived and died as a faithful member of the body of Christ, I make comments regarding such. However, I do not preach the deceased into heaven. I always allow their own personal lives to speak with reference to their eternal state. I do, however, emphasize that all who have obeyed the gospel and live faithfully to the Lord will enjoy eternal fellowship with God in heaven. When it comes to non-Christians or unfaithful brethren, I do not make any comments regarding their final state. I do present God's truth on how individuals are to make preparation for death, either in obedience or to the gospel, or in obedience to the gospel, or in being restored. There is no such emotional grief. There's so much emotional grief often times found at funerals. If I dwelt on a lost state of the deceased, I fear that I would do more harm than accomplish good. I certainly do not desire to give false hope to friends or family members regarding a deceased loved one. But on the other hand, I do not desire to create a problem for the the future in throwing of a roadblock for future Bible studies for non-Christians or unfaithful brethren attending such funeral services. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think I agree with you, Kent. Uh, Chris said, is it, a, is it appropriate to express hope for the eternal destiny of the deceased? He says, that depends. If the deceased was a member of the church, then it may be appropriate. If they were not, I would avoid that topic uh, and focus on their life and sharing memories. I, I asked a follow-up, could you, should you say he's lost and he'll spend eternity in hell? He says, never. We do not have the authority, and additionally, that would be cruel. Uh, I think that's right. We don't, we don't know, but I think it's two-sided coin. I don't know that he's going to heaven. I don't know that he's going to hell. I don't, I'm not the judge, and once, once he's dead, that's all in God's hands. We don't need to go there. To that question, James in Ireland answers, uh, could you say that he's lost and going to hell? No, being rude and quarrelsome are not fruits of the Spirit. Plus, words fitly spoken are like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Proverbs 25, 11 through 13. Thank you, James. All right. Let's all grab right. our last break, Jacob. we got two questions. What about a funeral in a church building? What about cremation? 
I want to cover that in our last segment. And Jim may have posed another question in the chat room. He says, one of the funerals I attended years ago in Northeast Ohio, they played uh, polka music. Yeah. Yeah, what about that? Well, I suppose in northern Ohio, polka music might be like country country and western music in the south. Maybe. uh, But I don't like it. All right. Uh, Also, also we've got uh, um, uh, guest 6126. Many Christians are so inconsistent when it when it comes to using instrumental music with spiritual songs, and I think it's probably the the, the uh, context of that is in particular at funerals. All right, let's take a break and go to the top of the hour right after this. Stay with us. We'll be back. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Growl all day, and you're sure to be dog-tired at night. A fault once denied is twice committed. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back, going to the top of the hour, talking about funerals. And now to a question uh, that we've got a lot of comments on. What about church uh, funerals in church buildings? Um, can a funeral be scripturally conducted in a church building? Chris simply says yes. I don't think he gives any more definition to that, does he? I don't think so. No, he just says yes. Yes, okay. Uh, James said maybe. And he goes on to explain it depends on whether or not this uh, fits into the work of the church. Since most funerals seem to be more a family social occasion and also tend to include secular activities, I'd say probably not in most cases. And I think James has has honed in on my position almost exactly. Let's read Kent's, uh, Jacob, real quick. He says, I believe there is generic authority to do so under the purview of preaching the gospel. However, I do also understand that there are situations where it is not expedient to do so. I certainly would not want to be a source of causing division in a local church over this issue among those who have a conscience problem with such. And that's another part of my position. So between... Uh, James and Kent, I, I agree with both of them. I, I think there, there certainly are people who have a conscience against it, and I don't think anybody should be asked to violate their conscience about that sort of thing at all. I would be, uh, I, I come up short on issuing a blanket uh, condemnation of a funeral in a church building because I think I could describe a funeral in a church building that would be nothing more than a worship service. And so people are going to come. We're going to sit quietly in our pews till we begin. We're going to sing a cappella spiritual songs. We're going to pray. We're going to have a lesson from the scriptures. We're going to do exactly the things that we do in many of our worship services. We're just going to do those simple things. We're going to conclude with a prayer and walk out. I think if we did that, if, if, if it was, the fact that there's a dead body in attendance at the service doesn't seem to me to be a problem. Or and it doesn't seem to me to be a problem that we're remembering a departed person because, we, as we said earlier, we do that very often. We talk about various Bible characters who died, who've been dead for a long time. We talk about them and learn lessons from their life. So I think that I could describe a funeral service in a church building that would be, again, nothing more than a worship service. And I don't know how we could object to that. But the problem is that most most people, almost all people these days, would not be content with that whatsoever. And they're going to want uh, secular music, uh, or, or they're going to want to have uh, maybe a woman get up and, and uh, give a... Uh, uh, a talk about the deceased person, or they're going to they're going to want something that we just simply would say no, that that can't happen. And so, I think in in 
about 99.999% of the cases, I think we're way better off. And it almost always happens now to have a funeral at a funeral home or, or, or some facility that especially prepared for that. I think we have to check on our motive there, too, as well. Is it is we, Are we wanting a funeral or are we wanting a worship service? And I think James touches on that, since most funerals seem to be more as a family or social occasion. Right. Uh, then that's not the work of the church. Yeah. I mean, a funeral, even funeral homes in our area now, I think it's probably true in a lot of places, they even have places where the family can go and sit down and eat together. And I mean, it, it's become a big deal. The, the social aspect of it has become a big deal, and that doesn't have any place in a church building. And so for those reasons, I'd say in the vast majority of cases, they, they don't belong there. Uh, but, I, but I come up just, just, uh, just a fraction short one, of saying... One-tenth of one percent short, yeah, it yeah, sounds yeah, like? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Monty, your thoughts? Well, that kind of gets back to what I was talking to Greg about before we started tonight, the one funeral that I preached. Uh, before it was my time to get up and speak, they was going to play some music, and it started out being okay. They had recordings, and it was some a cappella spiritual songs. And then here was this country and western song played in, uh, with instrumental accompaniment. And we were in a church building, which I wasn't really comfortable with that to begin with. And then they'd done that. And if I hadn't been the one preaching the lesson, I'd have got up and walked out right then because I was really disturbed about that. So for me personally, I'm kind of like Greg. 99.9% of the funerals probably shouldn't be done in a church building, and I'm almost can say that I probably won't ever go to one in a church building again. There, I may hesitate or change my mind, if, but I'd have to know the layout of it up front, how exactly how it was going to be presented and handled, and I'd want to know every song that was going to be, if there was going to be music. I mean, I'd have to be really strict about it before I would do it again. And again, I, most people are just simply not going to adhere to those kind of rigid yeah. rules uh, at a funeral. They want other things. And, and so there are other facilities. It's a lot easier. It's a lot more expedient. Uh, and Again, that's a that's a change. That's a cultural change because it used to be funerals were almost exclusively held in church buildings, but they were almost exclusively conducted as a worship service too. And so to, the actions at a funeral have changed, and therefore I think probably appropriately we changed the venue as well. All right, should we get on to that burning question? Yeah, let's get to that last All question. Right. What about cremation? Okay, do you believe it's right or wrong? Yes or no? Why or why not? Um, James in Ireland says the scriptures are silent on specific burial methods. We have multiple examples of tending to the dead. In the presence of a single binding example, we're left to practice our liberty in this area. I think I would agree with that statement. All right. Uh, Kent says the Bible does not legislate insofar as the disposition of the bodies of those deceased. I personally do not like the concept of creation. Cremation. Sorry. However, such is only a personal judgment call. I would not bind that opinion on others. Cremation is not wrong within itself. There have been those who have been killed in various accidents and their bodies have been burned up. That certainly will not prevent their resurrection at the I think last day. I think, I think that's one point to be emphasized. You know, some people say, oh, you can't burn up the body. There won't be anybody to be resurrected. Well, what about... Even the scriptures talk about Christians who were burned. What 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 about yeah, what, what about, about someone who's been devoured by a wild beast or you know drowned uh, in lost, the ocean and they never found the their body? The sea. Yeah, uh, the, the resurrection is going to be a miraculous thing, and uh, God will miraculously. If God can make me once; He can do it again. It's yeah. not a big trick. Yeah. For so it. so I don't think that's an issue, uh, and I agree with. Both what James and Kent says, I don't think that there's any specificity in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, about how bodies are to be disposed of. Uh, let me read what Chris said. He said, I know of some who have issues with it, but I do not. That is cremation. I know of no scriptural reason one could not choose why one could not choose cremation. I personally would not mind being cremated. In fact, there is a company that mixes your ashes in concrete and sinks it in the ocean to help build artificial reefs. <laughs> uh, You'd be useful after this. Yeah. Yeah. I have always thought that would be a neat way to be remembered. Bottom line is, I wonder if that's a pun. <laughs> Bottom line is, I will not care what happens to my body after I go. So whatever my family wants is fine with me. I do hope they choose a burial. They will pick the cheapest casket and vault possible. I see no need to spend multiple thousands of dollars on a casket. Working at the funeral home, I have seen people spend 10000 on caskets. 
I would much rather my family keep the money and use it for themselves. I, I would be very sympathetic to those emotions as well. Now, so I think that the, the bottom line answer is I can't find any condemnation of cremation in the New Testament in particular. Uh, I don't... Much of that is custom. You know, in John chapter 19, verse 40, when Jesus was taken down from the, from the cross and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus prepared the body, it said for burial as the custom of the Jews was. He was buried according to what was the custom of, of the Jews to do that. Uh, there does seem to be sort of an emphasis throughout Old Testament times in particular on burying the dead. Abraham buried Sarah. Jacob buried Rachel and so forth. Uh, we talked about the burying of Jacob and, the, and Joseph, Joseph had to bring his bones. Joseph out of Egypt. was embalmed when he was in Egypt and put in a coffin. You know, that's interesting because there, there Joseph was embalmed, but in the New Testament, people were not embalmed. We embalm people, but that's not the way Jesus was buried. But there doesn't seem to be any specification as to how a body is to be treated. There were evidently people buried at sea, Revelation chapter 20, uh, verse uh, 13, references the the sea giving up the dead that were in it. Uh, So um, it seems to be that uh, burial at sea is an appropriate method. Now, here's here's, uh, something to think about, and some people bring this up. In the Old Testament, burning of bodies, burning of certain people's bodies was linked with punishment and disgrace. For instance, in Leviticus 20, verse 14, uh, if a man take a wife and her mother, so there would be an incestuous relationship, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. Uh, In chapter 21, verse 9, the daughter of any priest, if she profane herself by playing the whore, he, she profaneth her father, she shall be burnt with fire. And so some people point out that in some of these references, there's sort of a disgrace associated with having your body burned. Uh, you remember in Joshua when they attacked Jericho and Achan took some of the forbidden spoil and him and his family and everything he had was to be burned as a disgrace and a punishment for what he had done. And so some people point to that, although I don't know that that's really a fair thing. That seems more about the punishment of these individuals uh, for for the sins that they committed. One, one other reference noted in the Old Testament, Saul. King Saul and his sons were killed in a battle with the Philistines. Uh, the Philistines hung their bodies on the wall of a city to disgrace them. The men of Jabesh-Gilead came and gathered their bodies from that place and burned them. Later, their bones were buried, but uh, the men of Jabesh-Gilead were commended for what they did for Saul and his sons, uh, for the bodies of Saul and his sons. It really seems that what they were trying to accomplish was the bodies was going to be destroyed so the Philistines couldn't recover them and disgrace them again. So they was trying to do, I think, a noble service. For Saul and his sons, I don't think it had to do anything with a punishment or a right, disgrace. Right, that was not punishment. So I, I, what I'm, I, I guess what I'm taking away from all of that is just that there just doesn't seem to be any consistency there. I think the objection that most people have to cremation, if, you, if they have any at all, and it, I think it's becoming far more common. I think I did. I looked at statistics on that a while back, and the the percentage of people being cremated in our day is way up from what it used to be. It's cheaper because it is much much cheaper, and that may be the determining factor for most. I, you could. I would not want it done if a person had a conscience about it. But personally, I can't see anything in the scriptures that specifically condemns it. Okay. All right. Well. We are out of time. Monty, any other thoughts tonight? Uh, no, I don't guess so, really. It's just that you know we need to be sensitive about people at funerals because it's a one or one chance maybe for some of them to, to hear a lesson from the gospel. We need to be sure we present it well if we're involved in it. And uh, like say whether the type of funeral or the cremation or whatnot, whatever we do should be, we need especially give emphasis to whether we're conducting in a scriptural way that would be pleasing to God. And I think that's really the bottom line. Jeff has got one more comment in the chat. He says it really doesn't matter how our bodies are disposed of as we are going to get new ones anyways. I think that's right. The resurrection is going to happen and nothing we would do to a body. I remember, I just got to mention this, my grandmother, uh, she lived in such a time when people were just buried in in and wood boxes, but then it came along and 
became requirement to put them in a sealed vault when they put them down in the ground. Well, she was really concerned that if, she, if her body was in that sealed vault, that she wouldn't be able to answer the resurrection when the Lord called everyone forth from the graves. And we had to assure her, nothing's going to stop that. You're not going to be able to stop that. Uh, whether you're in a sealed vault or you're in a, in a fish's belly or who knows what, when the resurrection happens, we're going to meet the, answer the call. All right. Thank you for that comment tonight, Jeff. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jay. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.